to the Better Together podcast brought to you by the Emergency Services Foundation. This is a podcast dedicated to supporting and improving the mental health and well-being of the many people, paid and volunteer, who serve our community in emergency management roles. My name is Susan McKenzie, CEO at the Emergency Services Foundation. Today we're speaking about ESF's Well Beyond Peer-Led Coaching Programme designed to help people flourish in retirement. I'm joined by Dr. Sarah Hewitt, ESF's Well Beyond Program Manager, Julie McGowan, former Victorian Police Officer, John Byrne, former paramedic, and Ron Lazones from AV, and Joe Hood, one of the program facilitators. Lots of different voices and perspectives today. So I'm going to start with Sarah. Uh, the program manager. So Sarah, what is the basic operating principle of the Well Beyond Peer-Led Coaching Program? Okay, so look, we want people to have healthy retirements and, and retirement transitions, but we know the reality is that too many people fall into a dark place mentally when they leave a career in the emergency services. So we did a lot of research to find out a way to address this for better outcomes. And uh, we designed the program that it's basically got two operating principles. So one of them would be that people near retirement need help to plan better. And this, this principle comes from the finding that um, better outcomes are facilitated when people think about retirement in a broad and holistic sense, and also strategize around things that will support a healthy transition. That we find that people, um, when the emergency service people plan for retirement, they tend to focus on finances. So they'll get their super in order, but they won't think too much about other things that might impact on their quality of life post-service. And retirement's often thought about in two ways. It's either idealised as a really long holiday or it's something just to not think about. To, it's, it's dreaded. But either way, those attitudes are going to make sure there's no planning. The other operating principle is, a, is basically that a, peer great, a peer-based approach is best. So people really like to be helped by an emergency service worker who's already been there and done that. Um, connecting with somebody nearing retirement with lived experience of transitioning is very helpful in giving insights into what often, what often was called the great unknown. So older workers would refer to it as the great unknown. So how did the program come about exactly? So there's been a lot of interest in helping workers to retire in the sector. This interest has come from the heads of agencies. So, so they're the people that sit on ESF Stakeholder Council and also from the ESF Learning Network, which is people who hold different roles um, and are responsible for wellbeing in 14 Victorian emergency management organisations. Most importantly, the program came about because uh, ESF research pointed to a huge gap in available for support for this cohort of people. With, basically, we found that some agencies are doing it and some aren't, and even those that are doing it couldn't, can do better, and there's lots of scope for that. Now, ESF are leading it because, well, we received funding uh, a couple of years ago, 2019, 2020, from, from WorkSafe, Work Well. And 
Older workers are a priority for WorkSafe because they're seen and recognised as a vulnerable cohort in terms of mental health. Mm -hmm. in, a, in a broader sense, I'll just mention that the program fits with ESF's vision, which is to take a strategic and collaborative approach to address mental health challenges, the ones that every agency chairs, to drive stronger and more consistent wellbeing outcomes for the sector. Okay, okay. So what is the evidence behind the program? So ESF's done a pilot program um, this year, uh, which we're going to speak to some of the participants in a minute, but what's the evidence behind it? Okay. There is heaps of evidence behind this program. Uh, we know from national and international research and major reports that after emergency service workers retire, and when we say worker, we also mean volunteer worker, they're at a much higher risk of depression, suicide and other kinds of mental health distress and illness than the general population. So we reviewed all this research and then we built on it by undertaking studies of our own, five to be exact, um, starting back in 2018. And that's when we did a study with American capstone students to understand what's happening, um, what the experiences are for retired workers in the state of Victoria. This study was followed by a couple of others, and they're all on our website. So studies done in 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, okay, so the evidence shows that the kinds of challenges emergency service workers face around retirement are pretty much a direct result of the nature of their work. So as you'd expect, one of the challenges is to do with the accumulation of trauma. And... Um, the, the workers are much more vulnerable to this due to the kinds of exposure they experience in the job. Other challenges which might be less obvious are to do with social, physical and other dimensions of wellbeing, such as the loss of identity. So our research and other research shows that handing in the badge or hanging up the uniform for the last time or handing in the gun, look, these have got profound impacts on a person's sense of self. Emergency service workers can also be impacted in the area of meaning. So the work is definitely stressful, but also really meaningful. And after people retire, they need to find something that's going to get them out of bed every day if they don't have people to keep safe. And then there's the loss of collegiality. Frontline teams are really close-knit. And when people leave, they can often feel lonely and miss the friendship they had at work. And these are some of the things our program picks up upon and addresses. The last thing to mention here is on top of the research, we did, um, did co-design. And about the co-design, we just had a one-day workshop with diverse stakeholders from across the sector. And that helped us um, really finesse the, the model, the coaching model. And we also commissioned Swinburne University to have a good look at coaching as a model, and that's also on our website. So as you can see, taking the time and investing in understanding not only what the issues are, but also how to tackle them, that helped us develop a really robust and, and user-focused program. Okay, thank you, Sarah. So, Joe, you were one of the facilitators, so there was two... Mm -hmm facilitators, you and Shannon, and you, you both brought different skills to the program. Um, so 
what was the objective of the training? In training the coaches, what was the objective there? Yeah, the objective was to make sure our our coaches were equipped uh, to um, have meaningful conversations with um, the participants of the program. Uh, We wanted to make sure uh, ultimately that they were, the coaches were able to help people um, flourish as they transitioned or planned to transition into retirement. And we wanted to make sure um, that uh, the, um, as you've just heard, that it was an evidence-informed approach that we were taking to the um, coaching um, and that uh, there was a positive impact for both the coach who was participating um, and what we call the coachee or the participant. Um, So we wanted to to really um, make sure the um, goal was for it to be a rewarding and fulfilling um, process and experience for everyone who was involved. Okay. So tell us about the topics that were covered in the training. Sure. So um, we um, narrowed it down to four key topics um, and they covered um, financial management or financial planning um, or what does it look like um, from a financial perspective when someone transitions from work into the retired space. Um, We also looked at cumulative trauma, um, both the what is cumulative trauma, so understanding that better, the effect of it, um, and what can people do about it. And we were conscious of including a lot of resources around support services and referral services as well. We also looked at social connection and the importance of um, building new friendships or maintaining older current friendships um, and uh, really challenging people to think about what some of those um, social connections could look like um, and how they would seek them out and how they'd be proactive about building and maintaining them. And then the final topic uh, we covered was around um, purposefulness. And as Sarah just mentioned, um, a key component of people um, retiring from um, the services is um, how do they find meaningfulness uh, in their day-to-day and so we focused on uh, a model that helped people look at um, what they're passionate about, where their gifts and talents lie um, and things that they enjoy doing and give them energy and um, how they can incorporate that into this new season of life. So those four topics, I mean, I can hear a direct correlation to what Sarah was talking about. Um, So how were they determined? Was it based on that? Yeah, so a couple of um, factors um, helped with um, narrowing down the the topics for the four um, coaching sessions. One was, of course, the research. So looking into um, the studies um, and not just the studies that were commissioned around emergency services, um, but also broader studies into retirement and the type of challenges that um, people face when they transition from from the workforce, the paid workforce into retirement and, you know, whether that's volunteering or um, involvement in other activities. Um, So it was a holistic and broad look at um, the challenges and um, 
areas that people uh, will benefit from having um, those kinds of coaching sessions. The other thing is we focused on, um, of course, um, you know, the specific needs um, around mental health and wellbeing for emergency services workers. Um, and the last piece was we were very deliberate in our approach um, to working with peer coaches. And we wanted to make sure we were tapping into the lived experience of those who have already transitioned out of the services. We wanted them to feel comfortable and confident with the topics um, that they could bring their own experience into the room, um, but could also find a balance where uh, they felt confident and equipped to um, refer and, um, and, you know, enable people to connect with other um, support services where that was going to be of benefit to them as well. So what did you sort of answered this a little bit, but in terms of skills, what did you focus on, on developing and preparing the coaches? I mean, these were random people off the street, basically, who yep. came in and you were trying to teach them to be coaches. So, so what was key to that? Yeah, um, it's a great question. So um, we really looked at um, zoning in on what would be the key skills for um, a relatively short training period so that people, um, you know, they, uh, the pilot was voluntary so people were not being paid to come and and uh, and be trained so we were mindful of um uh making sure the time that we spent with them was well structured meaningful had um, a good focus and enabled them to quickly uh hone in on the skills that uh, they already um, many of them already had and so it was a matter of building upon their life experience and the skills that they actually brought from their time in their services um and sometimes we were repositioning. So a good example of that is listening skills where um, emergency services workers are excellent listeners and we um, we explored the different types of listening and the importance of listening. And then we just repositioned their knowledge um, and skills in listening um, around a coaching conversation and helping them understand how listening and coaching is slightly different to, to listening on the job. Um, and in the same way, uh, question asking questions, same thing. I mean, they, these people are very skilled in asking questions so it wasn't about um, the questions it was about helping them understand how open questions in a coaching conversation are slightly different um, and can often um, feel big and open-ended um, and helping them feel comfortable with some of the pauses creating space um, for people to answer um, and we also talked about things like confidentiality. What does that mean? How do they build rapport and trust quickly? Because it was only four coaching sessions. Um, and we made sure they felt equipped to both start the coaching engagement well, um, but also finish well. So what does it mean to, to you know, wrap up? Um, and we wanted them to feel supported in that space um, and for it to, of course, have a very healthy finish um, to the relationship too. So it just... What's the difference? We're, we're talking coaching here. Um, people often get mentoring and coaching very confused. So what's yeah. the difference, Joe? Sure, we did spend some time um, exploring that with our um, pilot groups as well. Um, and some of the key differences are that um, a mentoring relationship is about sharing the experience um, and the wisdom um, and the skills with the mentee. So it's really an opportunity for a mentor to um, impart their wisdom, to give advice um, and to um, often uh, 
actively shape um, their perspective um, and, and hand that down, if you like. Whereas coaching is much more about enabling uh, the person who's being coached to have um, the opportunity for self-reflection, uh, to really get them thinking for themselves what's important to them, um, how how do they want to approach things the questions nudge them in a direction so asking good open questions is important so that the conversation stays on track but it's much more about creating that opportunity for someone to come to the insight themselves rather than being told how to do it yeah that that's um very good and of course Emergency service people like to fix things, don't they? Yes, they're very good. Very good at solutioning. So that, and so I know that when I attended some of the training, you stressed to people, it's not up to the coaches to fix things. Yeah, that's right. So that's a temptation that people often fall into uh, in coaching. Um, and uh, we have a little saying for it, and that's to avoid the um, or beware of the advice monster. Uh, so when they felt themselves falling into that space of wanting to fix it or solve it or, or tell, um, you know, their experience or how they did it, uh, to really, um, you know, be self-aware, hold it back and instead think of a question that would um, create that opportunity for for the, um, for the participant, the coachee, to explore that topic a bit further for themselves. Um, because what we do know from the research in coaching is when people come to their own insights, um, it, they tend to, to be more um, effective, longer lasting insights um, because they've come to it on their own. So it's kind of like the it, it sticks for them. Um, whereas when people are taught or trained, uh, they, they of course have an awareness and they can engage with the material, but it's a different type of um, learning experience and just one last question for you I'm sure there's people here listening saying you in one breath you're saying you've got people off the street that you're training to be coaches and then in the next thing you're saying they're talking about accumulated trauma and finances um, they're, they're not they don't have to be an expert do they no, that's right. Part of the design for the program was an awareness that everyone would have their own experience um, because they've experienced um, working in emergency services, they've experienced transitioning out of that, and they've experienced retirement or, or the next season of, uh, of life. Um, and so they've got their own lived experience. Um, and what we wanted to do was build upon that um, and say, that's great that you've got your own experience, um, but uh, we're not expecting you to be experts in any of these um, areas. This is about having a conversation, a coaching conversation, um, where the participant has the opportunity to think about that topic, say, um, uh, financial management uh, in, in a way that they hadn't previously. And what we know is that asking questions, good open questions, educated questions around a topic like that can stimulate the thinking and prompt um, new insights or, or new action. I mean, for some people, it was the opportunity to, to go and um, do some more research, ask some more questions, find out some more about something they hadn't thought of. Um, and in that space, um, we certainly didn't need our peer coach to be experts um, we needed them to be supportive um, coaches who were prompting and asking and um, helping people see things from a slightly different perspective oh thanks joe so now we're going to speak to one of the or a couple of the coaches and we're going to start with julie mcgowan who is the for, a former vic poll officer so julie joe's talked about the training 
you know, how did you find the training? I actually loved it. Um, it gave me um, lots of insight into how you can help people transitioning. I very much enjoyed Joe and Shannon's delivery, their depth of knowledge and the fact that one was coming from a therapeutic side and the other was coming from a coaching side. Um, they were succinct in what they said. Um, what Joe said was they were conscious of a limited amount of time that we had and everything they said had a meaning and um, drove home what they were trying to deliver. I loved it. So why did you put your hand up to be part of the program? What interested you in being a coach? I think for me, I um, transitioned out um, not in retirement, um, more so to have children. And so my take on retirement is slightly different to anybody that's looking at age or um, work cover retirement. So I feel inspired that I can bring my um, attitude to helping people understand that retirement is not the end and it's the start of what Joe said, it's a new season and it doesn't matter where, how old you are or what the circumstances are that you are retiring, there's plenty more out there um, that can fulfil your life and I just feel like I'm one of those people. Fantastic. So from the training, what was the standout for you? Well, Joe's covered, um, I found the uh, cumulative trauma fascinating um, and when they explain it in simple terms it actually makes perfect sense and I think that um, my knowledge of that now not only can help me in a coaching role with um, people retiring but in my everyday life I can now look around and look at people and think oh you know I know why that's happening to you um, and perhaps understand people better the other thing, of course, what Joe covered was the difference between coaching, mentoring and counselling. And for me, that was what they started with. And we were all very clear right from the start how we were going to enter into this program. And from then on, it was pretty straightforward. I know that when I went to the training, I was sitting next to um, a paramedic when the uh, Shannon was doing the accumulated trauma session. And he just turned around and looked at me and he said to me, why did nobody ever tell me this before? And I, I, agree. Thought, I thought that was just so, um, such a standout. It was, it was really good. So I take it it was a whole new experience for you to be a coach. Well, I guess in a way, yes. But I think when you've read children, um, you're coaching them all the time. Um, and so I find, and plus I've, been a manager in um, retail and so there's a lot of crossover there um, but I think that um, honing in on the specifics like listening uh, asking questions certain kinds of questions and not being awkward in long silences um, and when I was coaching my participant um, I could sort of see that I was sort of getting into her mind I, I was definitely making her think and um from that, I feel like I learned a lot because um, I recognised it and was able to apply it. Okay, thanks, Julie. Um, we'll, we'll come back to you in a, in a little while, but I'm going to speak with John now. So, John, is what Julie said consistent with, and John, of course, is uh, John Byrne, who's a former paramedic with Ambulance Victoria. 
So, John, is this consistent with your experience, what Julie spoke about? Uh, ab absolutely. So um, my entry into the program was slightly different. I, was, I didn't volunteer for it. I didn't know anything about it. I was invited to enter and did and was very pleasantly su su surprised, A, at the training and then at the, uh, with, the, with the coaching uh, experience. Um, uh, everything that everybody said so far, especially Julie, is, uh, is exactly right. It was terribly enjoyable for, for me. Um, I got a lot out of it, and I'll speak about that a little bit later. But um, um, so, so I, I, wasn't, I didn't know what to expect with the, um, for, for the training. And as I said, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised at what I very quickly learned and what I was able to take out onto the into the road with my uh, with my coachee, who I believe we're going to talk to soon as well. So we are indeed. So tell me, John, how did the training give you confidence to go out and be a coach? Yeah, so this was a um, this was a, a point that I was worried about going in before the training started. I'm thinking. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to do this. I'm, I'm not sure that, I'm, that I've got the confidence to do it. Well, that was quickly dispelled with this training. Um, the, the, the instructors, Sarah and, and Shannon, were terrific in A, pick, picking apart the, um, the objectives and what was expected and then delivering some um, points on how to, how to actually achieve the coaching experience. I was pretty confident um, after the first, so we did two two uh, six-hour days, if you like, of, of, of training. After the first session, first training session, I reckon I would, I was, um, I'd gained the confidence that, uh, that, that the way that the, the, the items that they were teaching us, the way that they were teaching us and the experience we were getting with the, with the training, I'd be able to go out and do it. I didn't know whether I'd be a success at it, but I knew that I'd be able to go out and do it. And it was probably, probably because of, um, they made me, and we've we just finished speaking about it. They made me. They made us all realise that we weren't experts. We were uh, facilitating a conversation, and they kept drilling, drilling it uh, into us, and it um, and it's uh, exactly the right way to to go about the uh, coaching experience. And that's so important because when we did our research, what we found was that people just did not take the time to think about these things. And by having this coaching conversation with um, it actually made people set time aside to actually think and um, think, be, you know, more broadly. So the prompting questions um, really, really did that. So tell us about your coaching experience as, as part of the pilot. What did you get out of it personally? Um, well, I, I, I have not had this conversation with any of the other um, uh, participants in the pilot, but what I got out of it was, gee, I, I wish I had have had had access to this when I was re retiring. So, so it made me so the so these 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 skills and the techniques being taught to us um, made me sit back and think about my own retirement. Now, I'm reasonably recently retired, so about eight, eighteen months out of the job I am, but it made me reassess the whole. Uh, my, my whole uh, planning and assessing uh, and um, uh, evaluating my retirement, my, my, my wife and I's retirement and how, where we're going and how we're going about it. So that was the best thing that, that I got out of it personally, but also, uh, and uh, as we said, we're going to speak to my coach here shortly, 
I knew my coach, Ron, who we're going to talk to, and it was um, it it I I was able to re-establish a relationship with a person who was a former colleague of mine. So that now I know that that's not going to happen necessarily in the future, but it was just really good to uh, it made for me it made the coaching experience easier because I knew my coachee. And what about for you? A, did it give you a new sense of purpose in retirement? Uh, one of the one of the um, uh, topics that uh, that's, uh, that Shannon, I uh, beg your pardon, that Joe mentioned was purposefulness. This is now a part of my purposefulness for retiring. The actual coaching, uh, coach, coachy experience is now a purposefulness item for me. So yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was fascinating on our last day, you, uh, John mentioned two six-hour training days and then we did um, a big reflection day where we brought the coaches together and at the end of the day I said to the coaches around the room, um, who would like to do this again in future when we embed the program and everybody's hand shot up. So that was that's that was lovely. Let's speak to Ron, and Ron Lazones is actually still with AV, and he, so he's going to give us the coachee experience. Where are you working, Ron, exactly? Uh, well, I work in Stall in country Victoria now. Um, previously, I spent 27 and a half years as a paramedic in Melbourne. Um, I found I got to a point where I could no longer do it in Melbourne um, for various reasons. It wasn't the work, it was more uh, the workplace and the people around me. Um, and for those reasons, I chose to move to the country. And so I've been working in stall for about nine years now. Oh, very good, very good. So um, where are you in terms of your retirement? How far off is retirement for you, do you think? How long is a piece of string? Um I am somewhere rapidly approaching retirement. Um, I can't see myself retiring for at least probably two more, well, stopping work for two more years. Um, and I don't want to work more than four more years. Um, and then I will take my entitlements for long service leave, which I haven't used up at all. Mm -hmm. So I will probably end up with about three and a half to four years of long service leave and then you'll leave at half pay. Before Lucky you. Retire. Lucky you. Yes. That's amazing. Okay. He deserves it by the sounds of it, if you have that much accumulated. That's right. Exactly. So why did you get involved in the pilot? Uh, it was suggested to me by someone in our um, health and wellbeing services division, Um I'm a trained peer support person within the ambulance service and I care a lot about my colleagues and I also care about myself and heading into retirement, making sure that I'm on the right track. So uh, for me, it was a case of go and have a look at whether I'm tracking well or not and whether I, I the course, the, the, the program was a little bit different to what I'd anticipated, but it, it helped me to uh, reinforce that what I was doing was on the right track. So why was it different to what you anticipated? Uh, I, I think I was expecting uh, more in the version of advice, uh, tips on what to do in preparation for retirement rather than looking at myself 
uh, what what had I thought about other things to consider before retirement. Okay. So what did you get out of the program and talking with John as your coach? Now, you take it, you did that by phone, did you? No, John and I, uh, John lives in Melbourne, I live in Stall, so we're about two and a half, three hours apart. So we would meet in Ballarat and uh, John was happy to travel to Stall, but um, I felt it was only fair that we met sort of halfway. So we met in Ballarat and we would have our session and then after the session we would join and have lunch together. Um, I knew John probably 38 years ago. Wow. And um, he moved into emergency management and obviously we haven't had a lot of contact over the years. So it was it was refreshing and nice to catch up with someone that I'd known from the past and to hear of his story of retirement and um and from, to reconnect and um, to hear his, his, his uh, ideas on where I might be heading in my own retirement or for my own retirement. So, so you said that you were expecting to get advice, but it was different because it was more about prompting through questions. Yep. What did you take out of the program? What's your big takeaway from being a participant in the program? Um, I think the big takeaway for me was to consider more more broadly what can happen in your life, that we tend to think about have we got my finances set, but we don't think about, well, what if happens? What, what if you have a major injury? What happens if a partner dies? What happens if you have a financial setback? Uh, how would you cope with that? Would that change your plans? Um, and they're things you just don't normally think about unless someone prompts you to. Yeah. So is this program something you'd recommend to others? Absolutely. Um, I certainly got a lot out of it, both in the perspective of uh, preparing for my own retirement, but it, I guess it helped that John and I knew each other and there was a reconnection and a, um, we had a good friendship and, and that, was fostered through the the connection. Um, that's not going to happen for every group that do this, but certainly um, it can open up opportunities for reconnecting with people and uh, developing friendships. Yeah. And you said that you're a little way out of retirement. What do you think the ideal sort of timing would be for people to do this program? Uh, look, I think if someone's within a couple of years of retirement, it's probably a good idea to do something like this. I think it gives you time to actually make changes or to to in, uh, invoke some of the ideas you've thought about prior to actually retiring. If you if you're just about to retire, you don't really have a lot of time to make change. Yeah, to implement things. Very good. Julie, John and Ron have talked about being, you know, they, they, they made that connection. I know that the person you coached, you didn't know. That's right. I didn't know her, no. And so how was that, the fact that you didn't know her at all? Absolutely fine. Um, she 
uh, seemed to be very responsive and appreciative and certainly got her thinking about a lot of things. Um, she wasn't your typical retiree um, and so there were some challenges there. Um, the biggest thing I found was um, she wanted to ask me questions about my experience uh, within the police force and of course then I had to invoke what I'd learned at the program and sort of steer her away I didn't want to mentor him her or give her advice um, and so that I think unlike uh, John and Ron they knew each other's history so probably less likely to question but I did feel that I was um, being um, scored uh, as you know my credibility so then I had to sort of win her trust, her um, credibility. And so I think I really had to earn my stripes more by not knowing her. Okay. So how valuable do you think this program would be for people nearing retirement? I think it's outstanding. I think that um, not only does it help them with their transition, uh, it gives them an idea of what they can do uh, how, when they go through it, they can give back. And that's certainly how I felt. I felt that I was giving back in a capacity that I could. I was helping people. And when you talk about what life is like after retirement, volunteering comes into it. And a lot of people, not just emergency services, think that volunteering is sort of working at the op shop or, um, you know, picking up rubbish. And But this is a whole new dimension. And um, I just um, I just loved it and would love to continue to be involved. And we'd love to have you involved. So, um, Sarah, the pilot's complete now and the evaluation is very positive. So what next for, for this? You're on mute, Sarah. Sorry. We've begun discussions with the police veterans and also the Ambulance Victoria's Retired and Former Employees Program. Um, what we want to do is embed it as a program that's available more broadly and we'll take insights from the evaluation and also the context of the organisations we're going to work with to um, shape it in the details. Now, the essential benefits of connecting retired workers with workers looking to retire will be at the core of running this peer-based and structured program in the future. And to all the listeners, look out for it because once it's up and running, we'll be advertised. So, yeah, the whole idea is it was a pilot. It worked. It worked really well. So now we're just working out how to embed it into the organisation so that more people get an opportunity to be involved. And we hope that by listening to this, you can hear, like John said, I was very lacking confidence going into it, but then I got confident. Uh, we hear Ron saying um, what a great experience it was for him as a coachee and Julie saying that, you know, what it did for her as, as um, a retiree and, and how it actually brought purpose to her life. Now, before we close, is there anything any of you would like to add to what we've, what we've heard today? Um, John? Uh, from, from it's John, yes. From my perspective, just I agree with everything that Julie said with that final uh, response about how valuable the program is for people nearing retirement. I'll come at it from a slightly different um, uh, 
perspective, and it's and it's my personal perspective. When I was retiring, when I was two years from retiring, and I knew I was retiring, uh, I was very excited about the whole the, the prospect, and it was it was a big ball of of um, I'm going to be have all this time to myself. I'm going to have money. I'm going to be able to do uh, pursue hobbies and everything like that. And that ball, the closer I got to retirement, from about six months out, the ball had grown a fuse. A, a stick out of the a, a a a wick out of the ball, and somebody had lit that fuse. And the closer I got to retirement, the closer that fuse got to exploding. And I and all of a sudden, the excitement turned to terror. What am I going to do with this retirement? So I can only, as I said before, I really wish I had access to this program. But before I before I retired, it would have helped me immensely with my um, my emotional well being. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, John. And so many people do talk to us about that. You know, they, you know, when we did our research, they talked about, oh, life was just going to be full of golf. Well, yeah. that might suit some people, but it, you know, for, it can get very boring after a while having that one dimension. Um, so, and for many people, it's also about reconnecting with their partners and their families if they've been working shift work and incredibly long hours and stressful and suddenly they're in in a home with somebody um, it's a whole different dynamic so I can understand what you're talking about um, being being frightened look thank you to all of you today that's been fantastic um, we've had such great feedback and interest about this program from people internationally and uh, we're actually speaking to a big group at VicPol next week about it. So it's really a groundbreaking approach that's evidence-informed, but it's delivered with real heart. And uh, thank you for sharing your experience and expertise. And thank you for listening to this Emergency Services Better Together podcast, which aims to provide you with insights about mental health and well-being from experts thought leaders and people on the ground, such as we heard from today. If you want to know more about what we do or better still support our work, please go to esf.com.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>